This is the Diverse Leaders Conversation Podcast. The only podcast for diverse leaders and founders. With your hosts, Dawn Morton-Young and Kat Wildman. The Diverse Leaders Conversation Podcast. Starting up and rising up against the odds. Hi, and welcome to the Diverse Leaders Conversation Podcast. I'm Kat Wildman. And I am Dawn Morton-Young, and we are here with Laura Lee White, which I'm really excited about. Um, Kat and I, well, Kat introduced me to you, and um, we are all in the Diversity X Group, which is an amazing group of diverse founders led by Kevin Withane. So a little plug for Kevin. Um, And we've kind of just hit it off, really. So um, I would try and explain what it is that you do uh, now and where you've come from. But I think it's better for you to kind of introduce yourself and let everybody know who you are, what you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just to say, like, we've more than hit it off. Like we have a we have an actual WhatsApp group. And, you know, like this is this is like a beautiful relationship that we have now beyond our like podcast experience <laughs> so yeah. yeah thank you for having me i am delighted to be here with you two um, my name is laura lee white and i am the founder of spectrum speakers uh, spectrum speakers is a diverse speaker agency we work with talent who come from different backgrounds but aren't necessarily talking about diversity um, so looking at bridging the inclusion gap for uh, conferences and events. Um, My background is, um, I've kind of worked in events for the last 20 years, thereabouts, something like that. And uh, yeah, in various various guises, kind of uh, anything from like experiential marketing and product launches, and then kind of um, like nicely fell into the, the speaking industry where I was a director um, for uh, for a previous company. Okay, thanks, Laura Lee. Um, so, if we were to ask you about your diverse background, you know that on this uh, program, well, on this podcast, we speak to people with many different diverse traits some of those are intersectional um and so we do like to get everyone to kind of say how they i identify um so yeah would you like to tell us how you identify um i identify as a black female okay so being a black female a black woman um how do you think that your journey has differed um in comparison to maybe people that might not have your protected characteristics? Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting because, you know, there were definitely, there have definitely been challenges. Um, I don't know if I would say setbacks, um, but the the challenges, um, as I think most black females especially experience, you know, like microaggressions in the workplace, um, and, you know, kind of cultural differences in so much as, um, you know, I, I've always worked hard and I've always been recognised for the work that I've done, but have always hit a ceiling for things like, you know, you need to raise your profile in the, in the industry or you need to be presenteeism, you need to be seen to be doing X, Y, Z. And I'm like, why do I have to do that if you've already acknowledged that I'm doing great work? And, you know, and... And if that's the kind of um, barrier to my further success, then why don't you invest in the training to get me there? Um, so those those are the types of things that have um, that I have experienced time and time again in different workplaces. However, um, I appreciate that there have also been some privileges. Um, in so much as, you know, I, I think being a black woman in some situations affords you more privilege than being a black man, um, especially, you know, um, how you are viewed by other men, by, you know, other white men in authority, you're not seen as so much of a threat. 
So um, I think that helps to open doors more for us uh, or for my, myself or you know, women of colour than, yeah, than, than for men in some situations in some industries. And I know Kat's going to want to jump in in a second, but I just wanted to just touch on um, what you said. I just wanted to make a comment, sorry. Um, So, yeah, because you spoke about that whole thing about them saying that you need to raise your profile and basically to be, you know, more visible. And that's, um, it's things like that that are the reasons why I set up my coaching and mentoring service. So because... You know, you may be saying to people there's opportunities for you to get forward in the business, but things like that, nuances like that, being more visible, being seen in the workplace, putting yourself forward, because of the things that come with us as diverse people, that's sometimes very much easier said than done. And who shows them how to do that and how to put themselves forward in that way when we've always been taught to kind of sit back and wait to be called, wait for your turn, wait to be acknowledged. And so that that skill set and that thing that you spoke about in terms of needing training to be able to get there is exactly where organizations need to be investing because yes it's true you do need to raise your profile as as do most people maybe we do more than others because it's almost as if we have to prove that we are as good as the person next to us but you do have to do that. But it's a skill set that a lot of people that don't come from our backgrounds learn in school. They learn because of the type of schools that they go to, because of their peer groups, because of their parents' jobs, because of the colour of their skin and the culture that comes with that. And so it's almost like we're having to play catch up and they're telling us catch up, but not giving us the tools to enable us to be able to do that. So, yeah, I just wanted to make that comment. I wanted to ask, um, like we like we can be guilty of always looking at diversity as in terms of barriers, but actually, do you feel like your characteristics have given you any advantages, or what advantages have you have you experienced because of you know who you are and how you identify? <sighs> that's a. Do you know what? That's a that's a good question. Um, I would say, in short, no. Um, not really. I, I think um, there have been situations where it's worked in my favour in terms of tokenism. Like, look, we have a, you know, we have a black girl on our senior leader team. It's like, come on, get to the front for the photos. Um, and you know, and, and there, you know, there might have been opportunities that I have been awarded, um, you know, to, to kind of to show a certain thing as opposed to by my skill set. I don't fully believe that because I, I, I know that I've worked really hard and I've um, everything that I have achieved has been, you know, because of the work that I've done and the work that I put in. I, I believe that. I don't know if that has always been the sole reason um, why I have um, achieved in certain, in certain instances. Um, it's it's a really good question, and I'm I'm really trying to think. Um, I th- I think <laughs> I, I would say that the only only benefit that it affords me is that <laughs> I get to a certain point when I've like you know started a new job or I'm you know in a new office environment where I can be myself a little bit more, and because potentially black women are recognised as being a lot more outspoken in certain situations. Um, it, it does get to a point where people are like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> that's you know, that's just Laura Lee being Laura Lee." Uh, whereas you know, maybe some you know, like white women or white men might not get away with that same type of outspokenness because it's it you know, it might be seen as a bit abrupt or a little bit boisterous. Um, yeah. That, but that's that's, that's me interesting. like really Dawn, hard. Talking about <laughs> yeah we, 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 me and Dawn were talking about that last night with the, on, with the negative lens yeah do you want to say more about that Dawn yeah so what we were talking about was that whole um 
uh, being known as the kind of the aggressive black woman or as soon as or just a woman in general. It doesn't always just apply to it's either they're hysterical, you're being sensitive. You know, you find those sorts of words. And I was I was saying that for uh, for a lot of it with and I can talk about for black people in general, nine times out of 10, we're not being aggressive at all. <laughs> this is our way does that make sense mm, and in our spaces absolutely. and within our cultures then people are not always going to take offense to the mm. way that we speak and i said it's really about the fact that they don't know us and i mm. said to i think the analogy i gave to cat was when you have when you know white people will have animals they'll have dogs just say for example and or cats and if a cat all of a sudden jumps up and is aggressive they accept that as the way of the cat. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that they think that their cat is rotten to the core or, you know, they want to throw it in the bin. If a dog chews the furniture, they accept that as a characteristic of a dog. Uh, what I'm saying is if you got to know how you, we were, you would know that some of us, we have a very vivacious, if you go to the islands, even if you go to Africa, to West Africa, there is a way that they're speaking where even I'm like, oh, are they arguing or is everything okay over there? Or, But it's just a way. But I think, again, it's about trying, they're more trying to get us to fit into the mould of what they see as normality rather than saying there are different people with different ways about them with different you know, and I think that's, and, and even if we take the black out of the equation, we've seen it even with Irish people, with Scottish people, with anybody that's kind of outside of the mould of, of Englishness. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was the, the kind of the conversation that we was having yesterday. So it's funny that you say that you've had it accepted that, oh, it's um, just the way that you normally hit, you is. You hit the nail thing. on the head in so much as once, once people have got to know me, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably like not as, uh, what's, what's the word? I don't, I don't know, like, like not, not necessarily like super loud, but I can, I can be quite dry <laughs> and my face, um, my face defies what I might want to say. So, you know, if I'm not impressed, my face says I'm not impressed and that just then yeah. you know once you realize that that's just me there's nothing that can be done about it so um yeah I, I I think yeah as I said that people have got used to that but it's definitely always been a bit of a shock to the system the first time it comes out it's a bit like oh and I've always been very mindful that I have to get my feet well under the table nice and cozy before, before, you know, before to, I yeah. can let the mask slip a little bit. Um, but, you know, even even that in and of itself is something that you're prepared for as a child before you enter the workplace. This is something that, you know, my parents used to say to me, basically, you can't be like you are at home at work. Like, it's it's yeah. not... Or at school. It's not... Ex <laughs> no. Well, I wasn't yeah. allowed to be like that at school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's not it's not accepted. It's it's frowned upon. You know, here is a safe space in and among your friends is a safe space, but out there it's not safe for you. So you here is your mask. Put it on. <laughs> Wear it at all times. Work really hard. Be quiet. Um, drink water and mind your business. And that's pretty <laughs> much like most people that I know. Like most, you know, most black people especially um that's that's the training that they've had at home yeah and we we yeah. were taught to code switch mm. <laughs> yeah now do you say the same thing to your kids like both of you i know you've both got kids do you do you say those same things to your kids because you've seen how useful that advice was I don't think I've said it. They have learnt it by themselves. So for my daughters, they will come back and they were like, they'll say something like they were somewhere and one of the sisters would have said to the other one, something that I guess might be typically black or got into an accent or done something. And they're like, oh, and I didn't realise that the white man was standing there. <laughs> you know, and I haven't said anything to them, but they don't feel comfortable being themselves. And I think that, 
our parents taught us that in the home, but they didn't need to. We would have found out soon enough as soon as we went out that it wasn't necessarily the space wasn't given for us to be ourselves. I don't know if how you feel about that, Laura Lee, with your daughter you've got. Yeah, I have a daughter. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I in hindsight, I, f- I feel like that training was useful. I feel like I feel like, yes, we would have found out for ourselves. But um, but I think perhaps knowing that helped us to get ahead quicker. Um, with my daughter, uh, <laughs> to be fair, if you know, if she comes home and she's like, "No, fam," blah 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 blah, I'm like, "We don't talk. We don't talk like that." Just because we, I, I don't talk like that, and yeah. um, I, I, yeah, it's it's really it's really difficult because you know I'm I'm not a hundred percent there yet. You know, I have. 30 odd years of conditioning within me that that sort of says no that's wrong and you shouldn't speak like that and you won't be taken seriously if you speak like that um so that's something that I need to shed and I need to deal with um, but equally I know that a lot of the time she just she's 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 trying stuff on she's trying she's trying different voices on she's tr- you know trying different ways of being so I I need to give more space that but yeah hands up I'm I'm guilty I mean that like that's really interesting though isn't it because it's part of your like that is deep within you from your childhood and your experiences and you want to pass it on to your daughter and be like no we don't speak like that we have to speak like this and we've got to toe the line and you know you've got to sit quietly like to obviously not to a race extent because I haven't ever experienced that but exactly the same with my daughter like you know she can't be rolling around on the floor being ridiculous shouting her head off like she is a huge ball of very loud energy and a lot of opinions and I have someone (laughs) I have the similar training for my family not because of my race ethnicity because of my gender they're just like girls like do not do that like they they try to hammer me squash me in any way get me into some sort of box and I rebelled the whole way and ended up with a terrible relationship with my parents because they were like this is not the daughter we ordered what have we got here because I was like where are their receipts (laughs) (laughs) exactly but I've got one as well and I'm so conscious of like I'm going to take your advice on that Laura Lee and I'm gonna I'm gonna dress it up as a not dress it up that sounds bad but you know, that it's, it's safety, you know, not everyone will accept you the way that we accept you and love you for exactly who you are. You've got to do some pretending in this world. So in terms of assimilating now, how much would you say that you have to assimilate? Like if we were to like quantify it somehow in percentages or amount of time of day in your working life as a CEO and founder, how much would you say you're still assimilating consciously today? Hardly. Like, hardly I, th- I think um yeah I'm because because I don't have anyone to answer to I can be myself and I'm very comfortable with the knowledge that if somebody doesn't like me or for who I am then they're not going to work with me and actually I'm I'm probably not going to enjoy working with them either like it's mutually it's not going to be beneficial um so yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm a lot more comfortable being myself. You know, of course, like there are situations. If I'm going to meet a you know a bank, then I'll you know I'll I'll be conscious of what I'm wearing, um, and you know I I yeah I, I may yeah I, I may be a little bit conscious of of how I say certain things, but not overly. Um, to be honest, I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin and and who I am and what I stand for, for that to be as much of an issue as it used to be. Brilliant. What about you, Dawn? Um, I think I agree with Laura Lee in that being a founder, uh, you kind of don't have to, and especially with this new working from home culture, you're not really around people as much. So, you know, if you've got an appointment, but I do think that I do, and I know we were speaking about this the other day, isn't it, with the whole thing with the uh, Her, Her Majesty's Queen dying and me feeling as if I couldn't express myself as I wanted to 
on you know linkedin you know those of you know i do a monday video every monday and monday gone it was supposed to be about that and i chickened out and i chickened out not because i felt that i was wrong not because but because i just thought if i do this the people that are on my page would they even give me the grace or the understanding to be expressing about someone that they may hold in very high regard in this way and how will that affect my reputation in the work that I do and how will that affect my business and so the assimilation is different does that make sense so I I, I kind of do and you guys know that I'm a very open, very direct, very... And it's not that if somebody engaged me in conversation and asked me a question about it, I would 100% say what I felt tactfully as I yeah. could. Um, but I Absolutely. just thought that and for me... in that situation... Sorry, no, carry on, Dawn. No, 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 you go, go, go. No, I was just going to say, in that situation, you don't owe anyone your opinion. You know, there are there are lots of opinions out there. And as you said, had somebody engaged with you to say what do you think about this you know you you would have said how you felt and no doubt tactfully but honestly because um, the same like I, I've been I've been I've been thinking oh do I do I weigh in on this um, you know do I do I kind of make my opinion really clear um, and similarly to you I just thought actually I don't I don't need to um you know I don't I don't have to speak on everything um and also there is there is some level of uncertainty still for me about how I feel about that whole situation you know there's this figurehead you know the person that we've all been kind of taught to look up to and you know largely just like it's really sweet really sweet looking old lady you know like just for, yeah. for me in terms of like how I've been brought up to respect my elders and all that kind of stuff but I'm still yeah. very aware of of what she represents and, and what she has allowed to continue under you know under her reign and um that doesn't sit well with me either but I'm not I'm, I'm not gathered enough to have a fully solid opinion on it um yeah that's how I feel yeah I know I, I said and I've told this story I said told this story to Kat yesterday uh, and I think for me um I think I'm the same as you she's always been the queen you know like you know how we say in the Caribbean she never do me nothing <laughs> as in she hasn't personally <laughs> done anything to me um, she's been there as like you know the the leader of the country she always looks lovely she looks like but you're right. What, mourning somebody is very different for me. And the, what was the clincher was having the conversation with my mum, where my mum said to me, well, you know, I remember coming to this country and we were told that this was our home and that because the Queen was the head of the Commonwealth, it was our home as much as anybody's. And then arriving here and being chased down the road in Labrick Grove by the Teddy Boys with bats, being called every name under the sun, being refused entry into restaurants to eat, having to squash up all together with other families to live because the landlords purposely put up the rent for black people. And she said, but you know what? That is not my problem. My problem is, is that this queen who invited us and told us this was our home never used her platform to speak about it. And then she said, not even when Stephen Lawrence was murdered. And for me, that's my mum and that's the clincher. She's the reason I'm here. My grandmother is the reason that I'm here in this country. And we are still struggling with the same things. And then, yes, the person actually who should have been standing up for us said nothing. And that's why I don't know how to feel about that situation. And maybe that's what I would have said on the video <laughs> that I chickened out from doing. Yeah. It seems like a good time to talk about Black History Month then. <clears throat> so on that topic of opinions that you hold, but you feel maybe like career limiting, personally too much of, of a risk to ever say to anybody unless you like really, really know that nothing bad is going to happen to you. Like that 
that is a terrible situation for authenticity, right? You know, everyone's going on about authenticity constantly, but it's like you can be authentic as long as you're ready for the absolute backlash that will come when you say something against the norm or when you give out one of your opinions that is not massively palatable to, you know, the majority. So are you, are you in terms of me? black history month. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm only joking. No, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of. Uh, oh, yeah. I've... Do you know what? It got me thinking. Like, got me thinking so much. When we had our conversation about Black History Month, I had never thought of it like the trauma that it is. Like it is a traumatic month for so many people, and I had never. I'd always been used to it as a celebration of, you know, Ghanaian cuisine or, you know, the the fashion, the history, the contributions and, and and looking at it like a celebration and a oh wow. But actually it's it's Black History Month and we're glossing over like some of the main parts of black history when when we celebrate it. Yeah. So absolutely like you know, I I understand the sentiment behind awareness days in general um but i think they have become tokenistic like personally i do um you know i think we need to find a way to be inclusive and celebrate everyone's differences in a really meaningful and long-term way like with with a with a long-term strategy you know we, we kind of like go from year to year and pick out you know, Black History Month. Oh, sorry, you know, I want to say, like, Black History Month has, has been around for a long time. And, you know, in and amongst that, we've got, you know, take your dog to work day and, you know, wash one side of your hair day. Like, it just, it's it's a bit silly. Um, but I find it interesting that of all of the months, um, you know, Black History and Autism Awareness Month and now we share a month. Now, you know, there's enough there's enough months out there for everybody. I feel like August. I don't think August has got a dedicated month. Um, no, I'm trying. To, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it, it kind I didn't of feels know that like, actually, oh, but that's news mm, for me. Yeah, yeah. Is this look, a new thing? God, then I, I think it's it's in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, you know, look, everyone, everyone deserves to be celebrated um, and highlighted and, you know, especially, uh, you know, and, and represented. But it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel very authentic. It feels like lots of corporations are jumping on the bandwagon for, you know, a, you know, additional kind of corporate branding opportunities. Um, but they aren't actually, they're, they're not really contributing, you know. Black History Month, Pride, International Women's Day, those are the times of the year when I have sometimes really insulting um, offers for people to speak. Um, you know, I think if, if as a, you know, especially for sort of big corporations, you know, it's like you've got the budget. Like last week, you know, you, you had somebody come in and talk about well-being. That's a fantastically um you know very important topic but like as is black history month like they're they're both they're both important as is international women's day you know and we're not necessarily talking huge budgets here but we're talking better than a couple of hundred pounds um yeah. and you know actually that um that gesture in and of itself is counterintuitive to what you're supposed to be trying to do to elevate you know to elevate different voices and you know and to show that there is a place for everybody it's like well you even the same person who you know has great value you didn't offer them that fee last week um so yeah yeah so, and, so and just, you know yeah, what for back. me oh sorry i was just gonna say no, adding no, no, to no, what no, you said about it. the whole month thing who was the person that said that Black History Month needed to be in October? When was that? Why are we, do they not put our Black History Month with the American and Caribbean Black History Month in February? Because then we would have more traction. 
it would be seen by a greater number of people when we're talking about blacks in the UK. Instead, they've stuck us by ourselves in October, months apart from when the rest of the world is se se celebrating black excellence. I, I just don't, I don't get it. Why? Who? Who's the person? Who do we talk to? Maybe, maybe that should be what it would be, be called, Black Excellence Month instead of Black History, just because we don't like, yeah, it's really important that schools learn about black history, but it shouldn't be in one month. They shouldn't just learn about black history in February. It should be throughout the curriculum. It should yeah, be it should. Yeah, that, like, that whole situation. Like the whole thing about it being in schools of like, and this is the month where we look at black, like, what? Come on. It's not a niche subject. It's the world. Especially as it is. in it's, inner it's city schools where one in three pupils at least are from an ethnic minority like i just don't wh why would that be your time that you tell them about themselves surely that's embarrassing for the teachers like surely that is embarrassing for the teachers looking at your class being like okay class now we're going to look at black history and the kids are like what why why do we get a month of the year where we focus on this it's ridiculous isn't it when you don't really exist think the rest of the time what laura lee says how much question how much have your inquiries gone up for speakers particularly speakers from black um backgrounds now coming into black history month than what you had in say june Oh, they 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 come in October. No matter how much I say, like you know, I put out comms, the the requests will only come in October. Like last week of September tops. My my comms start in July. That is interesting. And how does that differ from International Women's Day? Would you say? Would you have you noticed the difference? On the whole, it's the same. I would say. Um, it's, yeah. it's like they just remember that they've got this thing that they've got to this box that they have to tick exactly and that and that's why you know as I said like especially from my perspective and I, I can see how reactive people are to it as opposed to kind of actually you know wanting to be proactive and inclusive it's like oh you know oh, oh it's that time again this is something that I that I have to do um, but one of the other things I wanted to talk about, um, you know, as, as part of that conversation that we had, Kat, you know, black history, it's important, but there are still so many things that are relevant and necessary to understand about black culture today that a lot yeah. of people do not know and that a lot of people yeah. don't talk about um or or refuse to acknowledge and that's what we need to be focusing on for all cultures and you know all kind of celebrations when we're, you know international women's day like we you know we on the whole we talk about what women are doing in the moment you know what are women doing right now how are how are women trailblazing and you know and and contributing over and above men in some ways but it's like well you know, whereas Black History, you know, we're looking back at the contributions yeah. that that people made and often actually weren't acknowledged for at the time. Um, yeah. And it does. Sometimes it does feel really sad and quite traumatic as a Black person. Mm. It's like, you know, look at all of the things that these people that my, you know, our my ancestors have achieved that they were not awarded for at the time. Um, and, you know, not only not awarded for, you know, they were, um, somebody else took credit for their work. They were exploited. Um, yeah. 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 Or so, they were killed. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the time for me, it, it feels, it feels really sad um, and not that celebratory. Um, I think, you know, obviously the intention yeah. is, and, you know, when we're all like sharing food and all that kind of stuff, it's great. But I just think more awareness and planning around what these what these kind of awareness celebrations look like throughout the year and how how we can, you know, be more conscious of everybody's like cultures and differences. Um, yeah. And everything that needs to be celebrated long term and not just in a in a minute. Yeah, 
I wanted to ask something, which is not about Black History Month, but just so we know that you're a founder, but you also um, spoke about that you reached to director level in your previous corporate career while she was working for the man. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to find out a bit more about your journey um, in that regard. So how did you find your journey to board level? Because, you know, that is one of my, well, my ultimate baby is to, you know, address the disparity that we have at board level for all of the different groups that we have, you know, um, minority groups, sorry. Um, so, yeah, how was your journey and how did you find it once you were there? Mm, that's a really interesting question. Um, so I... I would say the last sort of four or five roles, um, I was sort of like, you know, head head of my department, um, which, you know, which, 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 which was great and felt, you know, even, even though there were challenges for the most part, I really did feel like, um, you know, it, it was deserved and it was on my merit and a lot of effort was put in to support me um in the in the kind of day-to-day -day stuff as I said not necessarily so much in like leadership training or you know or, or kind of being more visible or you know kind of building your your personal brand that, that kind of stuff that wasn't that wasn't offered to me but you know very kind of practical training on you know like finance like you know how to you know do special formulas in Excel and stuff like that um yeah, so that that was that was worked pretty well for me for the most part, but I always felt excluded from the very kind of senior level conversations. Um, you know, even though there are lots of people that I was on par with title wise, um, I didn't I didn't feel very included so much in higher level conversations it was always like okay we've had this we've had this discussion uh, this is what we this is what we want you to now implement um mm. and not to say that you know that I, I couldn't share any opinions on that but it was very much well you know this is what we decided now like it, it's in a it's in a uh, google slide so <laughs> so it's <laughs> so almost it. like they let you in but not quite in enough <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I very much always felt a ceiling, um, and this is this is this is it's actually quite quite hard in some ways um, because you know when I when I reached director level in the last place, it was very much it did very much feel like a um, a chess move. You know, it was. I, I was doing all of that work anyway. Initially, I was kind of offered the role without much of a salary increase. Um, and I was like, no, that's not happening. Um, yeah. You know, because it was like, yeah, but this good looks for you. good. <laughs> looks good. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, you know, I'm going to, you know, I got, I got a salary increase. It wasn't quite what I wanted, but it was, you know, a lot closer than what I was originally offered. And, but again, I, I never really felt that involved in decisions. Like conversations would happen and it would be like, anyway, we've done this, which is like the opposite to what we, what we talked about, you know, okay, that's okay. So, yeah. So, you know, unfortunately um, for them, like, and this is going to sound really, really big headed, but they, you know, they lost out on talent because, you know, I'm just, like I'm, I'm not. I am not just in it for the money. I'm in it because I want to be a part of something and I want to build something. And if I don't feel really included in that process, then I'm just. I'm gonna tap out. You know, it's like being in a like <laughs> in a really bad relationship. You know, like if it's just if it's not working, you're just like, no, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tap out. So we had someone say something so so similar recently where they were just like it's that really it kind of feels intangible doesn't it like 
did you do that on purpose? Like, why have you had this discussion? And did you have that moment of like, shall I say anything? Shall I not say anything? What, like, did you have that moment? And, and if so, did, what did you decide to do? Did you decide, decide to face it head on or not? Um, I, di I did. You know, I, I would talk about certain things and see, like, you know, like, I, I would sort of say, look, I don't necessarily agree with, um, you know, this, this outcome. Um, and, you know, I, I would be made to feel as if, you know, my, my, my opinion was being considered. But as I said, it, it already wasn't. It was like, no, this is already a done deal, set in stone. We'll just, you know, smile and nod at you. Um, but but yeah, after that, I was like, why why should I keep giving you the opportunity to not listen to me? Um, you know, like thankfully, <laughs> I, I love do... that. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Th thankfully, I do I do know my worth in in that in that sense. Like that's that's dis despite how some um, you know some managers have been towards me, and you know, as I said, like not not offering me, um, you know, the correct financial compensation, things that I've always known that, yeah, that I go above and beyond and that they know that too. Because, you know, whenever I've had appraisals and all that kind of stuff, like everything is tick, 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 tick. You know, your colleagues, you know, your managers think that you're this, you know, your people that are in your team, you know, feel really supported. And like, you know, I've, I've always had great three systems 360 feedback so 360, for me yeah. it's like well what's missing then like because you've just told me that everything's working yeah and it's weird it's that i don't even know if it's conscious and that is a scary thing so for example like you asking that question I'm at the top of my game in all of these things. I'm, I'm doing what you want me to do, but you're still not promoting me. So could you put that into words? Would you say, oh, it's because she's a black woman or it's because she's a woman or it's, do you see what? I don't even think they consciously think it, but it's almost like it's something innate in them that says this person can't be on the same level as me or beyond that level. And that is what the scary thing is. Because if something is innate, and I know because obviously, you know, I work with mindset and all of that kind of thing, unless you, unless somebody does a very targeted program of reprogramming you, which happens all the time, you know, or you decide that you want to work on that particular program, it won't change. And I think that that's the scary thing about it. And we'll be forever kicking down doors and getting into spaces where people don't really want us to be. Um, and I've really turned this podcast into a morbid moment. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, will, I don't think it's forever. I think that what is going to happen is that talent, like like you, like Diversity X, like everybody, like all this new talent who's, who's just going enough, enough of this nonsense. Like you have had your chance and you have blown it. I think there's enough talent now that has like mustered up the courage and bravery and found that support that they needed to be able to start their own business. And there's a new generation of businesses who, who are led by people with protected characteristics, whatever those may be, who will not have that innate bias in them and also I, I do think like I, I hate I hate targets I hate targets I hate that there has to be targets because I think it is just wrong and I think it's a it's going to be a sacrificial generation who go up there because of targets because they are forced into those situations because of targets and they will have that feeling of like you don't want me here I'm a target like, and they're this is also not prepared. The best of it. it's like being set up to fail in some instances yeah, yeah, exactly. But a generation down the line that will lead to hopefully, if it carries on like it is with the head of steam it's got now, it's going to lead to a more diverse leadership across the board in every industry, in the leadership of our country, in our healthcare systems, in our schools, and and then 
the hope is that it will be organic because you'll have those champions at the top who are looking for you and going, well, why did you not give that opportunity to Laura Lee? Or why did you not give that opportunity to Dawn or Kat or Kevin or whoever it is? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, no, she's not like that. She's amazing. Like championing you from the inside, you know, rather than constantly having to like karate kick the doors down like Charlie's Angels and be like, I'm here, move over, <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> I'm sitting in the ball table. I, I, I agree with you as long as, you know, those uh, those businesses that have been created by, um, you know, people from protected characteristics become become bigger businesses. You know, at the moment, yeah. the vast majority of these businesses are micro businesses or, you know, SMEs, but like, mm-hmm. you know, small, small SMEs yeah. and, um, you know, the... The big, big businesses are still headed up by, you know, kind of middle, upper class white men with a board level that looks exactly the same as them. And, you know, the, the yeah. nearest person of colour or female manager is a, a good number of seats below. So it, it's, yeah. it's, in, it's the incorporation of you know, of, of different people at board level within those big businesses. We can go away and we can, you know, create our own tables. But until, you know, until these kind of larger companies aren't, um, aren't dominating every industry at the moment, we're still going to have challenges. There's still going to be a challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like those big businesses getting forced to, you know, declare their race and ethnicity pay gaps. To, to have 50-50 shortlists at interview level, like those sorts of targets, which are awful, and they feel awful, and they feel awful for the people who are on those lists, and they feel awful for the people who are looking for the people, and they feel awful for everyone because it shouldn't have to be in place. But we do kind of have to, like, have enough talent coming to the door in order to be able to get those few through, and then those boards will hopefully be less, you know, homogenous. There we go. I want to end on a positive. I want to end with hope and all. Oh, no, I'm coming. We're coming. We're going to, because you know, we always have to ask. So, Laura Lee, thank you so much, first of all, for coming. It's been like the most amazing conversation. And I know that we could go for, I don't know how long. Um, And I'm actually thinking about, and we'll talk about this later. I'm thinking about in February next year, us having a, Black History Month roundtable in coincidence with the States' Black History Month. So some sort of panel, some sort of question, and I think it should maybe be about, does the UK take black people seriously? Because I don't know why we're in October with Autism Awareness Month, because I will champion both months and both sets of people because, you know, my thing with this, the disability and all the rest of it, I um, but I don't agree that either should be fighting. The autism rates or the rates of people that have been diagnosed with um, autism have gone up, you know, so much over the last they deserve the awareness to be on them black people are still being marginalized in this country they are still being killed by the police we deserve to have a month on our own and i think that um yeah i'm my 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 brain is going but i'm just really thinking whether it it could be a a nice little panel discussion for us to have in in february anyway so the (laughs) great yeah so my last question was If you had, two questions, if you had a piece of advice for an organisation when it comes to including uh, people from diverse backgrounds or people of colour specifically, particularly at senior leadership level, what would you say to them? What I, I would say, the same thing that I was told, like start networking and spending time with people outside of the the network that you're already a part of you know if you there are so many successful you know people of color there are so many dis- successful disabled people um you know people of you know, different genders and um 
yeah, just start spending time with people that you that you don't know. And, you know, the only way to kind of authentically include people is just to connect with them on a really normal and genuine level. That's that's it. You know, you can you can do all of the courses um, or you can send all of the HR people to do all of the courses. <laughs> but, you know, unless you're actually yeah. doing the work yourself from the top, it's not, it's never going to land. Love that. And my last question is, if you was to advise your younger self or just another person that is heading on that leadership or founder journey where they're going to be a CEO or they're going to be a CEO in corporate, what advice would you give them in terms of being able to navigate some of the things that could come up for them on that journey? It's a difficult, yeah, that's a really difficult one. Um, because I guess I, I would want them to make sure that that space is safe enough for them to be in. You know, so many people um, push through in spaces that weren't designed for them um, and then become um, separated and disengaged from who they are or who they want to be. So sometimes, you know, they may rise to success at the detriment of their own happiness. So um, by all means, you know, try and try and open people up and try and change people's minds. But I would just say no if there is a point where you're literally trying to bash a square peg into a round hole and look after your well-being first and foremost. Like nothing is um, is worth more than that. And we love well-being here, don't you, Kat? <laughs> yeah, I'd like a bit of well-being in my life at the moment. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Spa day. Spa, oh, I yeah, say we do a spa do day. It. I think we should do a spa day. <laughs> Thank you so much, Morley. I'm sure we'll be seeing you soon. Wonderful. Thank you for having me.